Hey y'all, it's Janice. Welcome to the Dirty Diversity Podcast. This is a place where we will be exploring equity, racism, and diversity. I am a DEI consultant, educator, writer, and professor who strives to center my work around the liberation of Black folks globally. More specifically, I examine and unpack how we can create structures that support the most marginalized folks in the workplace. This is a podcast where I will share my thoughts on all things diversity, equity, inclusion, racism, anti-racism, and Black liberation. My goal is to stimulate your mind and shift you to think in a way that you've never considered before. This podcast will feature my thoughts as well as the perspectives of different folks doing related work. If you want to learn more, pick up my best-selling books, Dirty Diversity and the Pink Elephant, where I explore workplace equity in more detail. Thank you for listening. Hey y'all, Jay Nice on the mic, back with another episode of the Dirty Diversity Podcast. So I am recording this episode super late, later than when I normally um, record my episodes. So as you all know, or may not know, when I record super late, my brain is discombobulated. So I'm going to try to make sure that this episode makes sense and I'm clear and I am concise. Um, So the first thing that I want to remind y'all of is that if you are on the Clubhouse app on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, I co-moderate a conversation um, through my club called the Pink Elephant. So if you are on Clubhouse, I invite you all listening to join the conversation every Tuesday, 6 p.m. This week, we are continuing our conversation on normalizing blackness and what that means in the workplace. So I definitely invite y'all to join the conversation. If you have read my book, The Pink Elephant, I invite and encourage you to fill out a um, a review on Amazon that really helps me with visibility. Um, if you're enjoying my first book, Dirty Diversity, I encourage you to leave a review for that book as well. And also uh, reviewing this podcast if you enjoy these episodes, it helps again with visibility. Um, is there are there any other housekeeping items? No, I think that's it. So. Um, In today's episode, we are talking about a topic that I feel very passionately about, and I also happen to write an article around this topic. Y'all know I love, um, y'all know I love doing episodes based on articles that I've written. So um, this episode is on why DEI and anti-racism work must decenter whiteness. So, you know... I've been feeling like this for a a couple months now, but I talk about it pretty frequently on my LinkedIn page. And if y'all are on LinkedIn and want to connect with me, my info is in the show notes. But um, I don't know. It seems like since May of 2020, all of a sudden, everyone is a DEI practitioner. For those of you listening who don't know what DEI stands for, it stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. So it seems like 
overnight, all of these like DEI practitioners cropped up. Um, everyone is an anti-racism educator and expert now. And I'll just be like, okay, everyone all of a sudden is into DEI and anti-racism. Cool. I still remember 10 years ago when I started my YouTube channel and I was talking about blackness and black identity and racism and it wasn't cool back then you know what i'm saying i got a lot of hate so it's kind of like eye roll inducing now to see that everyone is all of a sudden an expert i like to see more people in this space because the demand has increased and i think that more genuine people in this space is needed but what i've seen is like People want to capitalize on this moment and the fact that um, companies are, are willing to spend money on DEI practitioners and anti-racism educators and the fact that like this industry has ballooned and blown up. It was a $6 billion industry, um, but it's it's changed a lot. Um, since George Floyd and and now that number has increased exponentially. Okay, I'm sorry, y'all. I had to stop and look that up. It's actually, it was, um, there's an article that I'll put in the show notes that actually says that um, the diversity industry is an eight billion, with a B, billion dollar industry. But since then, that and the article um, that I'm referencing is from 2019, uh, <clears throat> two years later, I know that the industry has, I don't know, quadrupled, tripled. It's like every every company I see now, when I look on LinkedIn, I see you are within t- the top 25% of candidates for this DEI role. There's so many DEI roles that are being um, opened up right now. Um, and I, so I felt like it was necessary to have a conversation on the intentions um, behind the D- and the focus of the DEI work. Um, I've been having some really, really interesting conversations on Clubhouse. I really enjoy Clubhouse. I think I know some people say it can be toxic. I think it all matters or it's determined by which rooms you go into. But I've had some really awesome Clubhouse conversations, one of which being um, I co-moderated a conversation with the creator of the anti-racist AF uh, club on Clubhouse, which y'all listening, if you're on Clubhouse, should definitely follow. And um, there was someone named Raven Rodriguez. She's amazing. And she was talking about the importance of and the necessity to decenter whiteness. And, you know, I thought it was really necessary. I loved what she was saying, and I I believe that there's so much truth in it, especially for those of us who do DEI and anti-racism work. What I've noticed since I've been doing this work, and I've had my consultancy for a little over two years now, but I've been doing this work informally for 10 years, formally for about mm, four years. Um, What I've noticed is that a lot of practitioners um, DEI, for, for the sake of this podcast episode, I'll just call anti-racism educators and DEI practitioners, I'll just call them diversity educators because it's just, it's simpler to say, um, but, and yeah, it's, it's less of a mouthful. But so what I've noticed is a lot of diversity educators, I don't know, they make their money from being safe. 
And, you know, I see the work of my peers and people in this industry, and it just seems like 95% of the people I see online seem so scared to have these real conversations about how a lot of the work that we do is around coddling white feelings and making white people, centering white emotions, making white people understand white supremacy, understand racism, understand bias. And there is not enough focus on what the needs of the most oppressed and most marginalized groups in the workplace are. Like, what do the most marginalized folks need? We don't spend in this, in the, in diversity education, we don't spend enough time focused on that. I spend a lot of time, again, prioritizing and centering whiteness and helping white people to try to see my humanity. That's what it feels like. Um, and one thing that was discussed in um, on Clubhouse, one thing that Raven brought up that I never thought about is this idea of empathy. I was, I've always been a really big advocate for like, what are things we can do that will boost empathy because there's research there's a lot of research that indicates that when people feel empathetic empathy will be the um the predeterminer of change so when people feel empathy they are moved to change but one thing that i've been wondering is like whether i actually believe that you know what i'm saying like because i i just feel like what i wonder is like if you haven't, not really wonder, what I feel is like, if if seeing videos of black people being gunned down, if seeing videos of black people in positions of pain and trauma and harm doesn't help you to see black humanity, I don't know what will. You know, like, if you weren't moved by the video of George Floyd, I don't know what will move you. And I think that we must spend less time trying to make white people see black humanity and we have to spend more time asking ourselves, how do we make our workspaces safe for black people? Because black people are the most marginalized people in this world. One book I would recommend you all read, if you haven't read it already, is a book by Isabel Wilkerson, and it's called Cast. It was an amazing book. Isabel Wilkerson won, um, I I believe she won a Pulitzer Prize um, for her writing. Um, She's a, a phenomenal writer. And so she talked about the American caste system and how black people, if you think of America as like a caste system, like similar to what um, India has. If you think of America as a caste system, black people in America are at the uh, bottom level of the caste. And, you know, if you think about it from a workplace standpoint, you know, what what is needed to create more equitable spaces in our workplace is a focus on how do we support the most marginalized. And there is a quote Um, that I quoted in my book, The Pink Elephant, but it's actually from the Kambahi River Collective, which is a group of black feminists. And there is a quote um, where they said, once black women are free, all other groups will achieve freedom. And I'm paraphrasing, but 
I truly believe that like if we want liberation in our workplaces, if we want to see equity in our workplaces, we need to be centering, amplifying, highlighting, and prioritizing black voices. And I think that we spend so much time, again, trying to center white feelings and coddle white feelings and coddle whiteness. And we don't spend enough time as DEI and anti-racism practitioners um, prioritizing the feelings of the oppressed and the most marginalized folks. You know, what's really interesting is diversity efforts haven't changed that much in the last few decades. Like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it wasn't called DEI. DEI is a relatively new sort of title. Um, diversity is a word that's been used for a while now. Um, but like a lot of companies were focusing on diversity education in order to like avoid lawsuits and make sure that they were complying with Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. And, you know, but what has changed when it comes to diversity education is uh, language. And so companies, when I, even when I started my consultancy, which was just two, a little over two years ago, companies didn't want me to talk about white privilege. That was something very explicitly told to me by leadership that they didn't want me talking about. Um, things like white supremacy and anti-racism were not topics of discussion um, like they are now. So language has, has shifted and changed. And now a lot of companies are open to having these conversations about white supremacy, white privilege, anti-racism. But I think that like, again, we're a lot of the curriculum, the DEI curriculum and diversity education centers, how do we make white people see the humanity of black and indigenous people of color? How do we make white people be less racist? How do we center white feelings in the work that we do? And I think that that's problematic. And that's not what's going to move the needle and create more equitable spaces. And I think a, a large part of the the reason, not not a full reason, but a large part of the reason why, um, or a, a huge contributor to this, I should say, has been literature and books on anti-racism. Most of the books that are out, White Fragility, and, you know, I'm not going to name all of these books, but I know y'all have seen them. A lot of them are focused on white feelings and prioritizing, prioritizes whiteness. So I think we need to be putting more energy into uncovering like what the specific needs of black folks in the workplace are. Shameless plug, but not a shameless plug. One of the chapters in my, my book, The Pink Elephant, I talk specifically about this and how to support black employees. Because again, if you're able to create equitable spaces for black employees, all other marginalized and oppressed folks will benefit from that. So we have to ask ourselves, how do we implement systems that promote safety and well-being for the most marginalized folks in our workplace? You know, I think what contributed to, um, you know, what contributes to this white centering that we do or we've done, we've been doing in DEI and anti-racism um, was the recent diversity ban that 
that the Trump administration in, introduced. I'm so glad that, you know, obviously that is not in place and the Biden administration has dismantled that. But um, what I, I still keep, I still see it so much. When I scroll down my LinkedIn page, I see so much white centering and white coddling of feelings. And I think it wasn't until this clubhouse discussion that I part, I part, partaked in, partook in, I was, I was part of, I don't know if partook is a word, but it wasn't until this clubhouse discussion that I, I was able to find the words to what I've been feeling for a while now about the white centering or white centric uh, diversity education that I've been seeing so many DEI professionals and practitioners are safe and companies hire them because they're safe. They're not going to rock the boat. They're not going to be too controversial. And I'm saying controversial with air quotes. And I think that like, if we actually want to create change in the workplace, we can't be so worried about making white people feel uncomfortable. We have to decenter DEI um, education, DEI work, anti-racism work. We have to decenter whiteness in that work. Companies haven't really made a lot of progress. And in the article that I wrote, I cited um, some resources, but there was this Harvard Business Review um, article that was written as a black employee writing a letter to their white boss. It was called Dear My White Boss. I think it was written in 2002. It's been almost 20 years since that was written and not much has changed. You know what I'm saying? So it's like the old way isn't working. So we got to do, we got to switch it up. In the words of Tupac, the old way wasn't working. So we got to, you know, we got to switch things up. And I, I think that a huge part of that is like decentering whiteness in the work that we do. So for those of you who are DEI practitioners, anti-racism educators, I encourage you to analyze and explore the your curriculum and the ways that you educate these companies and these institutions. And I have to check myself because I have have been or had been rather past tense coddling white feelings. You know what I'm saying? Like I wanted to get a bag. And for those of you who are not familiar with um, African-American vernacular English, getting the bag means getting money. I wanted to get to the bag. And so in the past, I, I have accepted um, roles within companies as an external consultant where I felt like it was I was being safe. And I was asked not to talk about things, but I wanted to, you know, I got student loans. <laughs> so I had to do what I had to do. But I think 2020 for me has really been an awakening and has caused me to really reevaluate the work that I do. And I'm putting work in air quotes, has caused me to reevaluate the work that I do to assess and constantly check myself to make sure that like, who am I centering? I try to ask myself, who am I centering in this work? Because if it's white people and white feelings, I'm not trying to do that. That's not what's going to produce real changes. And I'm just going to keep, you know, keep being hired by these companies because their problems are never ending because they're centering white people, white feelings, and no change is going to come through comfortability. 
feeling happy go lucky and having your feelings sort of um, placated by whoever is training or educating you is not what's going to move the needle so I definitely encourage you all to check out my article that I wrote and I always say this I'm better with writing writing is my first love I, I feel like I'm a very strong writer I, I think I'm a good speaker but sometimes I trip over my words and I feel like I express myself much better when I write. So um, definitely check out the article where I I, I kind of explain things in, in much more detail. But um, I hope you all found this episode to be insightful and interesting and um, connect with me if you're on any social medias. I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram the most. Um, but yeah, I, I really encourage you to assess and analyze the DEI and anti-racism work that you do and ask yourself, am I prioritizing white voices and coddling white feelings? Or am I asking myself how I can help the most marginalized folks in my workplace? So that concludes this episode of the Dirty Diversity Podcast. I look forward to Uh, chatting with y'all in the next episode. Have an amazing um, rest of your Monday. I hope y'all had an amazing Valentine's Day and um, I will check y'all out in the next episode.